Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning, One Hope Church. So good to see you guys. As always, I'm always honored and privileged to share with you, and I'm extremely humbled to talk to you today. And those of you who are watching online, thank you for joining us. I'm excited to talk to you guys about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you guys, um, as I was preparing for this message, um, I experienced a lot of, of crazy spiritual warfare. And I think it's because this is a, a subject that I don't believe that the enemy really wants us to wrap our minds around to truly understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And even this morning, um, or even last night, as I was thinking about this message, I had this long intro about the Holy Spirit and our ideas of Him and why we think the way we think about Him and people's fears of the Holy Spirit because of the way people have abused phrases like pouring out the Holy Spirit or being baptized in the Spirit and the thoughts that come to our mind about people speaking in tongues and running around and all those things that are are true and genuine in some cases, but has been abused in a lot of cases, and it's made the Holy Spirit and talking about the Holy Spirit kind of taboo in our culture. And so as I was praying and thinking about it, the Lord was like, tell them who I am. Tell them why they need me. And then allow them the opportunity to respond, get out of the way. That's what the Lord has put on my heart, and that's exactly what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to jump into this, and we're going to pray. But before we do, um, I just want to ask you guys to join me in prayer as, as we invite the Holy Spirit into this conversation. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your power and your work in our lives. We pray that we will receive your truth today in your word, that you will be known to us and we will know you. We will embrace you today. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so guys, I'm going to share a lot of scripture today. There's going to be a lot of verses because I'm literally trying to talk about the person of God, the Holy Spirit. And so you guys are going to see the verses referenced on the screens and um, it's going to be the chapters and the books um, and the verses, but they're not going to be totally spelled out for you guys. I'm going to read them, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up so that y'all are looking for it all to be spelled out, because like I said, there's going to be a lot of verses. Okay, let's get into it. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, plain and simple. He is a person of the triune God, the Godhead, the Trinity. Now, I know people struggle with that concept of the Trinity. And a lot of people get hung up on it because it's not listed in the Bible. That word Trinity isn't in Scripture. But the concept and the idea that God is three persons in one is laid out all throughout Scripture. Even though that word isn't there, just like we understand that God is omnipotent, right? 
He knows all things. He has all power. But that word omnipotent isn't found in Scripture, omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. We don't find that word in the Scripture. That doesn't mean that it doesn't show us that's who God is. I want to share with you guys some verses, and I just want to kind of keep this simple. There's a lot that we could talk about, about the person, the triune God. But I want to paint this picture for you, and it starts right at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see before anything was created, God was there. Okay? John 1 He tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to say He was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through Him, and the Word became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, right? So we see that in the beginning, we see the the Father, we see Jesus, who was with God in the beginning. Genesis 1-2 It says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the water. We see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit spelled out at the very beginning. The Lord, our God, was there. There's this Hebrew word. It's pronounced ruach. Can you guys say that word with me? Ruach. Ruach. It's a Hebrew word. It has multiple meanings. It means breath. It means wind. It also means spirit. So sometimes when, you, when you're looking in the Bible and you see something like Job 33, 4, where he says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That word ruach is there. The spirit of the ruach of God has made me and the breath or the ruach of God, the Almighty gives me life. Job is testifying that the Holy Spirit is there in creation. David writes in Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath or the spirit or the ruach of his mouth. Proclamation, the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. The word is clear that the Holy Spirit is God, along with the Father and the Son, Not three different gods, one God, three persons. And these are just my findings. You don't just have to take my word for it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that he was the greatest teacher. And he told us that he is the truth. That's what Jesus said. I am the truth. And if we follow him, believe him, everything that he said and everything that he taught, we believe is true. And while he was here, he taught about the Holy Spirit to the disciples. So if we want to know the truth about the Spirit, let's look at what Jesus said. This is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on in verse 15 through 18 to say, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Okay, now Jesus has told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, if you love me and you obey my commandments, I will ask the Father, and he will give you the Spirit of truth. What is he telling us there? 
He's showing us the unity of him and the spirit. He goes on to say, the word cannot accept, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Again, painting this picture of the unity of him and the spirit and the father being one. The Spirit will come, but I won't leave you. I will come. I will be with you. Do we see what's happening here? What he's saying, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And we have to recognize God as the church. Because the Holy Spirit is the greatest blessing that the Lord has given us especially in this time and age that we live in. I don't know about you. I don't even have to convince you. The world that we live in right now is so lost, and it is steady, steadily growing darker. People need the hope that we have. Is it possible that in our efforts as the church, that we have, we're lacking in our effectiveness, maybe because we've kind of neglected this gift of the Spirit, of what Jesus died to give us, because it is so taboo, it is so, so weird to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And is it possible that the Holy Spirit impressed on Pastor Scott's heart to shift from where he was going to speak to bring us to the book of Acts where we see the beginning of the early church being birthed and the power of the Holy Spirit moving the church in a time in history where culture, everything was so hostile. I do believe that is the work of the Spirit. And I believe that that has happened because the Lord is wanting to prepare us for something that he wants to do here, mighty. And not just us at One Hope Church, but the global church. He is moving in a special, special way. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what it is that God has in store for us. Acts 2.28, Peter said, he was talking and he said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Peter said when the Spirit came down. He proclaimed this, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. Only a true follower of Jesus can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our deep connection to God. He does a lot for followers of Jesus. And I want to lay this out for you. These are just a few things that I believe the Holy Spirit does for us. And I'm going to use the word to paint this picture for you guys, okay? So what does the Holy Spirit do for the believer? The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us. He teaches and reminds us. John 14, 25 through 27 the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. These are the words of Jesus. 
He tells us the Holy Spirit will teach us, remind us of Jesus, remind us of what he said. The Holy Spirit helps us and convicts us of sin, makes us righteous, and helps us from falling away in our sin. This is John 16, 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. He keeps us close, helps us to love God, keeps us from committing sin after sin after sin that slowly pulls us away from God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The words of Paul, he tells us, do you not know that you are God's temple? You know, in the Old Testament, when they built the temple, the tabernacle, in the middle of the temple, they had the Holy of Holies. And it was the place where the Spirit of God rested. And it was protected by this veil. And only the high priest could go in there after doing all of these rituals. And when Jesus died and tore the veil symbolically, the Holy Spirit was able to be accessed. This is what Jesus died for, not just for our salvation, but for us to be able to be empowered by the Spirit. And this is what Paul is saying. Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? We embody the Spirit. He dwells in us. He's not in a building anywhere anymore. He is with us. Amen. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit helps us when we're weak and intercedes for us. We've just been talking about the peace of God. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to give us strength, to encourage us, to remind us. This is 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I think that's incredible. The Spirit searches even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. I think this is cool because this is another testament to, to, to the Holy Spirit being God. He says, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God, just like we know ourselves. No one knows us better, right? Maybe your spouse, your spouse may say, yeah, I know you, you think you know you, but I know you really well. They pick up on some of your flaws. But at the end of the day, nobody knows you better than you know yourself. Paul is saying, it's the same with the Holy Spirit and God. And then continuing Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we see here that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He's, he's like a lawyer, right? 
He knows the mind of God, and the Holy Spirit searches all things. He, he knows us, and he intercedes for us in our prayers. Just like a lawyer knows the law, knows what the judge is looking for, and when we talk to our lawyer and we tell him he knows our case, and he, he pleads for us, he makes our case, the Holy Spirit works in that same way. That's why when we pray and we go to God, even sometimes when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit knows us, and He knows the Father, and He intercedes for us. It's incredible. Incredible. The Holy Spirit enables us to bear witness. This is Acts 1.8. Jesus told the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To some of you struggling with testifying of Jesus, is that difficult for some of you? Maybe it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. We try to tell people and we try to be a light in our own strength when we don't have to. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do that work for us. That's what the Word of God tells us that He does, enables us to bear witness. And in this world, it's getting harder and harder to do that. That's why we need to recognize the power that lives in us to help us bear witness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives revelation and wisdom and power. This is Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. Paul is writing to them and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying, I pray that you will know the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that you will know the hope that you have, the inheritance that we have as believers eternal life. That is what our hope is in, right? That this world isn't all that there is, and that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the hope that we have, the promised inheritance. And then he goes on to say, I pray that you also know the power that lives in you, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. I pray that you will, will understand this, do we understand that the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us? That is incredible. The Holy Spirit marks us, marks us, seals us in God. The Holy Spirit is a seal of God. Are you concerned about the mark of the beast? We talk about the mark of the beast, right? When the Holy Spirit is in you, you are marked. This is what the Bible says, Ephesians 1.13. 
And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, whom is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is incredible. Have you ever purchased, I know you guys have purchased cars, right? When you go to buy a car, I want you guys to picture this scenario. You go, you see this car, you love the car, you test drive it, it's awesome. And maybe, you know, you're a husband and mm, I want this car, but I haven't talked to my wife about it. Mm, right? Or maybe something is going on and, and you can't take the car that day. What did the, the salesperson, what did they say to you? Well, you can put a deposit on the car, right? When you put a deposit on the car, that makes the car yours so nobody else can buy it. And then if you come back in a week, whatever you got going on, you pick up that car, it's yours, nobody else can take it. Do we see that this is what God has done for us? When you believed in the gospel of Jesus, you were marked, you were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. When the Holy Spirit is in us, we are guaranteed the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't walk away, that we can't reject salvation. But when you have received the gospel, when you become a child of God, when the Holy Spirit is in you, there is nothing in you that is going to want to walk away from Jesus. You are sealed. You are marked. You do not have to worry about taking the mark of the beast or being confused about any of that. The Holy Spirit has marked you. You are a child of God. Glory to his name for that. And lastly, the Holy Spirit makes us new. This is Romans 8, 10 through 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of He who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life. Give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit that lives in you. The Holy Spirit gives us life. How? Because the Holy Spirit is life. We just talked about the Holy Spirit was there at the very beginning, creating life, creating all things. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. We're the temple. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, we can't help but to become alive. We can't help but to be changed. We can't help but to be made new, to love and to care and to take on the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's in us. So with all that being said, church, how do we respond? We embrace him. We listen to him and allow him to lead you. The Holy Spirit is in you. We can listen. We can be led by the Spirit. 
What does this look like? Scott shared with us in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, people were filled and there was incredible signs and wonders that happened. And people stood up and proclaimed the gospel in tongues and there were people from all over who came because of this Feast of the Weeks, because they were, they were getting ready to celebrate this holiday. And it was that time when the Holy Spirit poured himself out. Was that a coincidence? Absolutely not. Jesus told them, told the disciples to go and wait for the Spirit to come. And so they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And on that day, the Holy Spirit came. And it just so happened to be the day when all the people from all over were gathered together in this one place to hear about the truth of Jesus. And they were saved. They received salvation. They were made new. They were baptized and filled with the Spirit. And we read this, and it's a really cool story, right? But we, sometimes we, we read the Bible. Scott laid this out very clearly, and we think that, it's not related to us because this is something that happened a long time ago in Scripture. But would you believe me if I told you that this past summer, I experienced something very similar to this in my own life with my family? A lot of you know, this past summer, I lost my aunt. I was supposed to speak. And a few weeks prior to that, she was in a car accident, and I found out I went home, I saw her, prayed for her, and they were going to do some surgeries and stuff, and so I came back here. And I heard that she was declining, and they weren't sure what was going to happen. And that was the week that I was supposed to share with you guys. And I was wrestling, I don't know if I should go back home, or should I just wait until something happens? You know, I've, I've made peace with her, but I don't know, should I go? And so... I began praying. I began asking the Holy Spirit to lead me in this. What do I need to do? And through conversations and through prompting, I felt the need to go back home. So I did. Let me tell you guys, while I was there, the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful, incredible way in my family through this situation. One of the moments that stands out to me the most is when we first told my aunt, her name's Letitia, um, who is the older sister of my aunt that passed. And they were really, really close. And we were the ones to share this news with her that my aunt had passed. And I was up there, um, I was in a different uh, town, and we were all FaceTiming. And when I told her this, she lost it. She lost it. And, and I knew, I felt prompted, I have to go see her. I don't know why, but I need to go and be with her. So I jumped in my car, me and my sister, and we headed to my aunt's house. And I was praying on the way there. I don't know what to say. She just lost her sister, her best friend. What, what do I do? And so I'm praying, and I'm, I'm looking through the Word. And God gave me 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 to share with her. And when I arrived in that house, I went to my aunt and I saw her. She was walking back and forth, crying, hysterical. Her daughter tried to talk to her. She didn't want to hear anything she had to say. She's pacing back and forth, super upset. And 
And once she calmed down, I asked her, I said, did Aunt San have a relationship with God? You knew her best. And she told me that she did. And when I heard that, I read this verse to her, or these verses. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be informed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's word. We tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead will rise first in Christ, and after that we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When I shared that with her, I watched the Holy Spirit pour over her. And she went from this distraught place to a place of peace. Because she understood that there is hope in Jesus. And my aunt had a relationship with him. And so she will see her again. That is the hope that the Lord, the Spirit of God, allowed me to share with her. And all throughout the time I was there, there were different conversations that happened with my family members, people I haven't seen in years because we've been separated, talking about Jesus. And then the day before my aunt's funeral, I was asked to speak at her funeral. All of my family was in that place. I had family from Montana, I had family from all over who were there gathered together. And I shared with them about my aunt. But you better believe I shared with them about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because there was never a better time than then to share that. They were all gathered together, my whole family. I could not on my own strength have made that happen. And my aunt, who loved God, I know that she is pleased with the fact that the whole family was gathered together and heard this message. And after that conversation, I had conversations with my brother, with my mom, with my aunt, with my cousins about Jesus all night. God did that. The Holy Spirit did that work. This is how he moves in our lives. This is the only time that this has happened. I've shared with you guys before of how I ended up here when I was working in Charlotte in a secular job, doing my own thing, making money, whatever. And the Holy Spirit began to prompt inside of me that something was about to shift and change and I was going to leave this and follow him. And at the same time, he's speaking to Reverend Gail Kerstetter, who's at Southern Western University in South Carolina, and to call me and ask me to come join them for a year to travel on their ministry team, knowing that I have a full-time job, I have obligations. But she had no idea what God was doing in my heart. The Holy Spirit was orchestrating that. 
And I answered that call and I was able to come to Southern West University and travel and saying, it just so happened to be the year that this church decided they were gonna do a residency program. And I was connected with Gail and Bob and the relationship here. And they informed me of this residency program and God brought me here. This is how the Holy Spirit moves. This is not just Bible stories. These things happen right now. And I know there are stories all over the room of how Holy Spirit has moved in your lives, done incredible things. Incredible things that you can't explain. Jesus died so that we could have access to the Holy Spirit, so that we could live the way that we were created to live, to be who we were meant to be. Who are we meant to be? Sons and daughters of the Most High God. And what are we created to do? Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love God and our neighbor? What is love? We love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we read what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, what tells us love is patient, love is kind, It's not envy, it's not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love always protects, hopes, trusts, perseveres. Those characteristics, those things, that's what love is. And that's what the Spirit of God is. And when we are, the Spirit is in us, we're able to do those things. We're able to love God. We're able to love each other. This is what we were created for, church. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us, to help us walk in the Spirit, not by flesh. And we cannot operate in the raising the dead to life power on our own strength. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so as individuals and as the church. Only followers of Jesus are able to bring life to dead places through the power of the Spirit that lives in them. We're the only ones that have the Holy Spirit. Only followers of Jesus. And through that, we're able to bring forth life. So church, I want to ask you today, where do you need the Holy Spirit to bring life into your life today? Do you need to recognize that the Spirit of God is in you and that you have more than just your own will, that you have more? The Spirit of God empowers you to give you life, to bring life in you as a person to heal you of your depression, to heal you of your anxiety, to heal you of your circumstances. Where do you need to ask the Spirit to show up? In your family, in your friends, in people you know. We have the ability to do that because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That is who He is. So as the worship team comes up, we're going we're gonna to take this moment. I told you that the Holy Spirit 
told me to share with you who he is, what he does, and then allow the people to respond. Church, today, the Holy Spirit is alive and with us. And I can't speak to the things in your lives that you need from the Holy Spirit. I can't speak to the fact that you even have a relationship with the Spirit. Only you know, and the Holy Spirit knows. And so we want to take this moment in worship. And we want to create an environment where you can respond to the Holy Spirit. And ask God to give you whatever it is that you need today. An awareness of His Spirit. Life in your family. Hope for your future. For your children. For this church. We believe that God wants to let this place be a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. You need to pray for that. Whatever it is that you need from the Holy Spirit, today, right now, it's your moment to do that. Those of you watching online, those of you who are here, I want to take this moment in worship to come to the Holy Spirit, to ask God for whatever you need. The altars are open. This is the time. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, God, we thank you so much for teaching us, teaching us who you are, showing us, God, and revealing to us your truth. We thank you that salvation wasn't the only thing that Jesus died for, but he died so that we can be empowered by you to bring forth life and goodness and to have hope and to be restored and to be renewed and to have, to have hope in a future. We thank you that we are, we possess the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are the works of miracles because of the Spirit that lives in us. We thank you, God, for that. And I pray, Lord, that today we would take this moment to come to you and to receive from you what it is that we need. Have your way today. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.